0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It's good to be with you this beautiful uh, Tuesday. Today is a Tuesday, isn't it, David? Uh, it is Tuesday. It is. It is. It's it is. July, and it's like July twenty-six or something. <laughs> it's some crazy thing. I,
2: and I've talked to some other folks about this, and this has nothing to do with immigration, obviously. But July the 4th, Totally unwound me. Yeah, and, me and, too. You know, you work on Monday, then you're off on Tuesday, and and since then, and my wife coming in from out of town, I thought I, you know, I picked her up on a Monday, but it seemed like a Saturday or Sunday or something. And it's just <laughs> like I have to, I have to think about, you know, what. what we, day I is can't
1: it? wait till August comes because it's just also not hot enough. Um, I want to give you a garden update. I'm David. more
2: looking forward to the latter part of September. September when I I down a little the, bit. Well, I, I want to give you a garden update. Uh, it's dead. Yes, I, I know. I, I had a... Uh, we we rested in peace. In did you, I, I did pick well.
1: peppers. I had peppers left. And yeah. I still have peppers growing. Peppers seem to be... What about the, the
2: promise of okra?
1: The deer got in. The deer, deer jumped an eight-foot deer fence and ate it down to the nubs on the ground. Oh, well.
2: You know, well, we've talked about this, I, I think, a little bit. And, then, again, not anything with immigration but uh, Sandy Springs is going to have to address the deer population the deer issue. Right here. Yeah. Well, Milton somebody's going to gonna well. get hurt really bad. Well,
1: I'm surprised there aren't more accidents on a lot of the roads around here cuz deer are everywhere at all hours of the day. They're oh, not yeah. they don't just come out in like, the northeast so you don't only see them at night. They're out at all the time here. They literally have no fear of the human population around here.
2: I had a uh, couple of less than a week ago. A deer was right in the middle of my street. Looking at me like, how are you, the hell are you doing you're... on my road? You know? <laughs> well, they're everywhere. It seems like,
1: David. Yeah. You know, before we went on the air, you and I were talking about this this event in Texas, and you said, "Well, you know about the Texas thing." And I, then it dawned on me that was, that's that horrible, horrible incident of uh, of uh, of alien smuggling uh, out of uh, coming from uh, Laredo up to up to San Antonio. Uh, and the driver, and I asked you, David, do you think it's possible that it's true he didn't know there was people in the back of that truck? And your answer to that is simply no. He had to know.
2: I, you know, I would, I don't see how he couldn't know, but I suppose, you know, you know, it's like everything, I, well, it's like them. I heard that some of the... Uh, The occupants had paid up to $5,000 to uh, be on there. So, you know, if a guy comes up and pays you $2,000 and says, don't ask, just drive, what are you going to do?
1: You know, his story is really interesting um, because he talks about uh, picking up the rig or picking up the load in Laredo and then stopping at the company's facility where he had the truck washed. And then he got back in the truck and then like 10 miles later stopped at this Walmart. And he says, "No." And this is this seems a very strange story because apparently when he stopped at the Walmart and opened the back doors because he heard movement, there was a, what some would say, a fleet of SUVs waiting to pick these folks up. There's probably a 100 of them in the back of this van, back of this truck, um, uh, n- including the, the 10 dead folks. Uh, and it just seems, you know, very strange. That he would not have known. Uh, and to sacrifice these lives for a couple thousand, how does he not know? He knows, he even said, I knew the refrigeration wasn't working. I knew the vents, because I knew this truck, and I knew the the vents were clogged. So if you knew that, and you knew they were back there, that's a death sentence driving through Texas in the middle of the summertime. Yeah.
2: You know, um, I I know in your illustrious career that you've never slave labored like I have. Oh, trust me, I've slave other. labored in my life. I've but done plenty of work. If you've ever been around an eighteen wheeler and, and unloaded one or been around one that's about to that you've just loaded and he's about to take off, just like an airline pilot. You would would you check everything. Just you? like an airline pilot. The the driver of that truck has a big iron bar that he goes around his whole truck and beats on the tires to make sure they're inflated well. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times.
1: Well, apparently and this was and this was his rig, though, too. So you know he did that.
2: And at that point, <coughs> you've got X number of people in your trailer, and they're raising hell, they're beating on the walls, you would know that somebody was in there.
1: Yeah, apparently it's a big rig, uh, so it's got the sleeper cabin. His fiance says that he lived in the rig. Yeah. He'd been driving a truck for 47 years. So this guy's got to be close to 70, right? Uh, he just had his leg, part of his leg amputated recently. His right leg was amputated. Um, I mean, this is uh, this is just a bizarro story. Um, uh, in some ways, I feel bad for the driver. In other ways, I think, how could you just not know? How could you not know? Well, the only
2: thing I'm saying, as I told you earlier, is that you know, if they were paying five thousand a piece to be on it, or thereabouts, or up mm-hmm. whatever, and somebody the came up to the driver and offered him five thousand dollars, don't ask, just drive. Maybe, That's probably ten percent
1: of what know. he made all year. I mean, you know, yeah. it's um,
2: ha. Are you kidding me? A truck driver makes good money.
1: Oh, I, would, I heard no. some folks are not doing very well. There's almost like slave wages in some of these truck driving companies. Uh, um, if you're with, but, but he's living on his rig. I, I just yeah. feel, I mean, it's like, th- and this is the problem, David. Why did this occur at all? I mean, that really is the ultimate question. Right. Why are people stacking into the back of tractor trailers?
2: I heard a representative today, a U.S. representative, mm-hmm. addressing this issue, and uh, he made an interesting point that, yes, it came from Mexico, but he doubted seriously. That they were Mexicans. No, that's that's probably true. Most of
1: them probably weren't Mexican nationals. We already know that Mexicans really aren't coming here at all, uh, except in very very small numbers. Most of them probably from Latin America, uh, especially parts of Central America. Uh, But still, why are they coming illegally? They come illegally. One because there's a a push factor, and now in something the Mexico push, push factor is kind of. See, so that's really the, the great myth that a lot of the anti-immigration folks want to keep selling you is we're just going to be overwhelmed with people if we don't we don't close our borders. The reality is, you know, our borders are Canada and Mexico, and Canada nobody's flowing in from Canada to get here, and, and Mexico now now doesn't have a push factor; has more of, a, more of a pull factor. So you have push factors from other countries in Latin America. So that's factor one: people getting pushed away because of violence, because of crime, because of lack of security, because of lack of safety. They're being pushed from those countries. Economic opportunity. One, two. People are being pulled to a certain extent because there are there continues to be a demand for jobs in the United States. Again, for for jobs that nobody wants to do. Now, David, I, I was curious as I was reading um, uh, an article uh, the other day online uh, by Ruben Navarrete. I love I I like Navarrete. I think he I think he's a very smart man and he he does a good job of kind of straddling the middle politically. And he he talked about this, and reading the comments on his page, somebody said stuff like, well, they should all die, we should close the borders. And one guy finally said at the bottom, well, there should be no more immigration until every uh, employable American is working. And I I thought about that a little bit. And I I responded to the guy, I said, so your problem's with the welfare system, not with the immigration system. Your problem's with the welfare system. Uh, Because what you're saying is people that are employable – are, uh, you know, sucking up the government teeth so to speak, uh, you know. Uh, but the reality is somebody may be employable, but not picking onions. Somebody may be employable, but not serving as a waitress in a summertime resort. Somebody may be employable, uh, but not in a meatpacking plant in Iowa. You know, the reality is not only is there a mismatch in location, uh, because you go to these places like Mar-a-Lago, we'll talk more about Mar-a-Lago in a bit, um, where it sits in the most, in the toniest part of Florida. Well, you don't have people within 30 miles. You don't have people that need that job to work as a server at Mar-a-Lago. And you get much further than that. Now you're outside the distance of somebody who's poor who could do that job, would actually commute to. And then you're in parts of the United States where there are no jobs with lots of people like West Virginia. Okay. People from West Virginia aren't going to move to uh, uh, the valleys in California, Southern California to pick crops. That's just not going to mean that that's grapes of rat stuff. That's not going to happen anymore. That just doesn't happen. So not only do you have this idea that there's all these Americans on welfare, which there are, uh, but not really technically on welfare. Many of them are on food stamps, record numbers, uh, which is a, a form of welfare, but not cash. Uh, some are on Medicare or Medicaid. Uh, I guess Medicare is for older folks like, like you, David, but, but Medicaid is for people that are disabled. So we have a record number of disabled people in the United not, States.
2: Not disabled.
1: What? What? T- t- tell, tell me about Medicaid. How does that factor in? That's where I, I get confused with Medicare and Medicaid.
2: Well, Medicare, like you said, when you folks, reach 65, retired. you can go on Medicare uh-huh. as one well of your... Insurance, but you still have to buy
1: supplemental insurance yourself. And Medicaid yeah. is not going to cover everything. Right?
2: Care. but Medicaid is for the people on welfare, basically. And uh, I
1: thought you had to be disabled in some way no, no. to get Medicaid.
2: No. Medicaid? No, no, not at all.
1: I know George has a thing called Peach Care for kids. Well,
2: that's that's for kids, and that's for again for the ones that can't afford. Um, but don't disabled people,
1: people also get Medicaid?
2: I think they can get depending on the age, I think they can get Medicare as well. It, Medicaid is, is based on income.
1: All right, so Medicaid helps people in that situation. and that,
2: that's the reason that many, many doctors will not take Medicaid, Medicaid patients because they, they don't get paid well on Medicare mm-hmm. patients and they get paid even worse less. on Medicaid. For so
1: you're looking at the numbers of Americans that have that they're on quote welfare. And I was just thinking about this this guy talking about this in in the cup of immigration. Um, do you really think that stopping immigration would make those people get a job in a different part of the country they don't live in? No, no, no <laughs> clearly not. I mean clearly that's not going to happen. I mean there's not a there's not necessarily a correlation between some, between Americans on on public welfare or public assistance. And immigration. In fact, we know that immigrants tend to contribute more over the course of their lifetime than they take in any form of public help in any kind. Uh, so they are a net, a net benefit to the system. Immigrants of all levels, including the poorest immigrants, who come in and do the jobs Americans don't want to do. So it, it seems like your bigger problem is uh, one education problem, to a public assistance problem that you need to deal with, but certainly not one of immigration.
2: Uh, when you say education problem, what do you mean?
1: We have in this country a great system of public education. Yeah. But people don't take advantage of it. And and I'm really not even going to blame the kids. Uh, I think it's the parents that don't... the
2: situation is that if no matter what you are, immigrant, documented, undocumented, whatever, and you've got a kid and you take that kid to grade school or or middle school or high school... That school I know in Fulton County, accepts them right, and they are taught one way or the other, yeah,
1: but if you let your kids either slack off in school or drop out of school, then you are simply perpetuating the own poverty that you yourself may be living in, sure, uh, and so I put the blame at parents' feet uh, because really the you know a ten year old or a twelve year old is going to do what their parents tell them to do, generally speaking. And if that is, hey, we're going to study right now, we're not going to watch video games, we're not going to eat eat, uh, cereal and and Twinkies all day long, Uh, then the kids are going to do that. And when you set a poor example in your own life, uh, when you yourself are on drugs or doing things that are improper in the grand scheme of things, because maybe you can get public welfare of some kind, that, that that's education that's that's fa- failing these kids because of the parents, not because the system is in place that doesn't do it. It's the system is there to help everybody. Uh, and, you know, I look around at some of the best schools and some of the worst schools, and really some of the worst schools, it, it's not that these kids are any any less or any more intelligent than any one of them. Kids, smart kids are everywhere. It's what their parents put into their kids' education. Well, sure. Uh, and again, that, that then also goes to issues of poverty, and I've gotta work more because I only make ten bucks an hour or seven bucks an hour, so I'm not home all that long to work with my kids. You know, there's a lot of factors in this, but at the same time, immigration's not one of them. Immigration's not failing us in the context of, uh, uh, of ruining America. In fact, immigration is making everyday America great. Let's take a break here on America's Web Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones the internet of things and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. Wednesdays at 2.
3: Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-80611. A las 404-816-80611 o al www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the theamericasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on Amer- America's Web Radio, uh, and uh, it's um, it's you know it's an interesting time right now. We've we we got this big uh, crossroads in uh, in America. We've got a president uh, under attack uh, by the fake news media. Uh, that's, I'm just kidding, by the way. He's actually under attack by his own Twitter fingers, but. Uh, and his own uh, incompetence and the you know, people he brings around him. But David, I don't get this. President put Jeff Sessions in office. President told Jeff Sessions, don't go after Hillary. And now the president is attacking Jeff Sessions for not going after Hillary. Can you can you explain this to me at all? No, David, David, she said, I, don't, I don't. There's literally nobody in America who understands, uh, what is going on in Donald Trump's little brain. Uh, and it's, uh, it's causing a lot of havoc. In the immigration field, uh, his uh, Muslim ban continues forward. Uh, as everybody knows, that there is a current ban on refugees in place, uh, starting a couple weeks ago and supposedly lasting for 120 days, with a permanent ban on Syrian refugees apparently in place. There's a terrific article uh, that came out uh, yesterday in, uh, by, written by Anja Parrish, Anja Parish uh, is a former uh, immigration officer uh, who uh, really uh, took issue uh, with the uh, um, uh, um, with the with the ban on refugees, uh, and it's it's a fascinating read as she talks about this. Um, she uh, she specifically was a type of pers- type of immigration officer who did interviews on asylum cases and refugee cases. Permanent residence, naturalization, and national security. Uh, and she talks in her article, which is in the HuffPost.com, uh, about the uh, the U.S. resettlement program. How how it is, how is it that refugees come into the United States? Uh, and it's not that it's not like Greece, where they just show up and you gotta take them. That's not how the U.S. refugee program works. I think if a lot of Americans understood how the refugee program worked, I think they'd be appalled at um, at what Trump has done here to people. And really, it's people like Sessions and Miller and Bannon that have done this. Uh, Trump is simply their puppet in this. She notes that to be accepted into the U.S. resettlement program, potential refugees must fall in one of three categories. One, those referred by an embassy uh, or the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, what we call UNCAR, uh, or designated by an NGO as any protection. Two, members of groups that are of special concern to the United States, that would be like the Lautenberg Amendment, which are Jews and evangelical Christians from the countries of the former Soviet Union, or three, family members of refugees already in the United States. Uh, those who register with UNCAR can express a preference to their destination country, but refugees could potentially be sent to any resettlement country in the world. Uh, applicants for resettlement are run through layers of background checks, Uh, that each have their own period of validity. Fingerprints are conducted to all refugees. They then go through the Department of State, Homeland Security, Department of Defense, FBI, CIA, as well as the National Counterterrorism Center's database and Interpol. Um, They then go through a series of interviews, uh, including especially for Syrian refugees, because their cases are reviewed by USCIS refugee specialists in addition to the people working in the State Department. Any national security concern results in the case being sent to the fraud detection unit. There, those refugees are generally denied admission. Uh, it is an extreme vetting process that actually takes two full years and is far tighter than that of any other immigrant class, which makes it far less likely that any national security issues will avoid detection. And then once again, after they've been here a year, they go through another round of vetting as they apply for permanent residence. Um, I just found that. You know, interesting that we would uh, kind of just forget about the fact that America is not taking refugees right now. And it, it just, I mean, this is a country who has stood for the last 100, well, I'm going to say for the last 50 years, since the end of World War II, as a beacon of hope and light to the world. And literally, in six months, it's been extinguished. Just literally snuffed out uh, with the Little fingers of Donald Trump, uh, and the minions around him who, who really hate immigrants. And I just find this ironic because Donald Trump is actually the son of an immigrant mother and immigrant grandparents. He is no more removed from immigration than I am. And yet, he, he, he sides with these people who have extraordinarily limited world vision, who have extraordinarily limited ideas about where America could go in the future as we continue to tr- attract remarkable immigrants from around the world uh, every day I receive emails David from individuals who are studying in our colleges or universities or people outside the United States who want to invest and create jobs in America and as I talk with them about the difficulties now of, of getting cases adjudicated of, of potential changes that are coming into the law and in, in the case of the entrepreneurs, how literally we are slamming the door on their face. Just say, we don't want your money here. We don't want your ingenuity. We don't want the jobs that you can create. And it stuns me because this is exactly opposite of what I thought a Republican would do. Exactly the opposite. Which points out to what Scarborough says, is Donald Trump's not a Republican. Uh, and As you cut off immigrants who truly intend to come here to make America greater than it already is, uh, you are simply punishing your own people for your short-sightedness and your xenophobia. Uh, It is is just, I I don't know, bizarre uh, to see this happening in, in the country that I love and disturbing. Uh, and I, I hope and pray uh, that we can survive four years of Donald Trump. Uh, but I'm not sure we can. Now, David, you and I talked about sanctuary cities uh, a couple of weeks ago. Remember, remember that conversation in detail? I know you, you go out and you, you store all these things in your brain, your supercomputer computer of a brain. And, but remember, we, we made a big point about there's really no such thing as sanctuary cities. There are simply cities that say we're not going to enforce this part of federal law because it's illegal. Well, yesterday, or two days ago, David, it was Friday, I think it was Friday, the Massachusetts Supreme Court ruled that no political entity in Massachusetts can follow or allow um, ice holds to occur in their jurisdiction because they are unconstitutional. They violate the Fourth Amendment because they are not based on probable cause. Uh, Again, that would make Massachusetts a sanctuary state, if you were going to use the rhetoric of the far right, uh, the alt-right frog face people. Um, And they've done a great job of compromising words like sanctuary, uh, which means a place of peace and a place of rest, and turning it into a political weapon. These are really pro-Constitution cities who simply want America and the and the U.S. government particularly to follow the law. Uh, but that doesn't stop Jeff Sessions, who may be Attorney General for a few more days. I have to ask you this, this political question, David. Is there any chance that Jeff Sessions resigns? Any chance? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. No way. He's not resigning. He'll have to get fired by the President. Because, why? He is finally in a position where he can make all his supremacist dreams come true where he can do away with sentence reform, where he can out-deport as anybody that's ever been in American history, where he can carry out his plan to bring happy days back to America. Uh, and no way he's resigning. That's just not going to happen. Although I do note he did offer his resignation to Trump two months ago, and Trump turned it down. Did you know that? Turned it down. I bet you Trump wishes he would taken it now. But I don't get what did what did Sessions do wrong? You know, you know what did he do wrong? Besides following the president's own suggestions, here Th- does it make you think this is a feint? It's like a head fake. Hey, Sessions, you didn't you didn't go after Hillary. Hey, look, Hillary, ignore the funny man in the Russian hat. Look at Hillary over there. Uh, I just find it fascinating. So yesterday, uh, uh, Sessions came out. Uh, and urged cities uh, to uh, uh, to really crack down on uh, on immigrants in their in in their country in their cities around the United States, uh, and along with ICE announced that ICE um, will start uh, enforcing the law, particularly in places that they view to be sanctuary cities. Uh, but people are getting are getting wise to this. people are getting uh, uh, knowledgeable about this and so what's happening David, is people aren't reporting crimes anymore. The number of reported crimes have gone down dramatically. Houston reported a 25 percent drop in crime. I it didn't it's not because crime stopped because people stopped reporting it because why? if they report it, the police will come. We'll find out they're undocumented and may arrest them or may call ICE. So they figure they'll just live with crime. We should never be in a country where we are just willing to live with crime because we're afraid of the consequences of reporting that crime. That is, that's just stupid. Uh, and yet that's exactly what Jeff Sessions wants. Uh you know, David, right after the recession, we did that. We were doing this show back in 2009. I remember talking about there were people leaving the country, not as many as people thought there would leave, but we probably had anywhere from a half a million to a million immigrants leave the country in 9, 10, and 11. Uh, by the way, David, some of them came back. Um, but about a half a million to a million. not Nowhere near the millions they thought would leave. Um And there is this prediction now, well, if we just enforce the law, people will self-deport. David, I just haven't seen it. I just haven't talked to anybody who says, you know what, it's just too much stress. I'm going back to the country my kids don't know, to which which I have no job, to which I have no family, to which I have no place to live, to raise my family there. That's just not happening. And it's really part of this overall... Idea that we we simply can't enforce our way out of the problem. If Congress had dealt with this, David, back in 2001 or 2007 or 2009 or 2013, we were having a very different conversation. Uh, And it's mostly because uh, during the Obama administration, he deported so many people that were kind of the the bad folks, so to speak, as well as catching a lot of people at the border, that are overall undocumented immigrant population is essentially the same as it was in 2008. And the problem with that is many of those people, in in 2008, they'd been here for eight years. They'd been here for 10 years. Now they've been here for 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. And many of them have lived well more than half their life in the United States. And it seems to me that at this point, we, uh, Congress has exacerbated the undocumented immigrant problem because it has failed to act. You know, there's a saying among some immigration lawyers that if your client dies here, you win. Hmm. You know, he outlasted the system, right? He, he's outlasted the system. Nobody wants that to happen. I but guess that's what's happening right now. I mean, they're just saying. Depends well, on the
2: way he dies.
1: Well, you know, well, if he died natu- a natural death, he lives a long life and he dies here, great, you win the case. Uh, Let's turn back here in a second and talk a bit more about this on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
3: Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos al www.immigration.net.
2: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
3: Cook
1: Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, Or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Now in America's Web Radio. We were just talking about this idea of Congress waiting so long that they've made the problem worse because they have strengthened the family ties um, uh, that normally would accompany somebody in the United States. Uh, and as a result, it makes it much harder, much, much harder, to deport people like that. Uh, now, ICE also announced this last week uh, a, um, a plan to go out and arrest juveniles suspected of belonging to gangs. Um, and the idea is if they believe somebody, if they have reason to believe somebody's in a gang, they're going to arrest them if they if they're an immigrant. And they're particularly focusing on the young men and women that have recently come from Central America over the last three or four years. Uh, I have a very good friend uh, who's an immigration lawyer in New York. He's been on this show before, Brian Johnson, uh, who's had a couple of clients picked up in the last month or so in this raid. Uh, and he brought a court case uh, to get bond for these kids. It took about a month. And yesterday he was granted bond for these kids. When the government prevailed to produce any evidence, any evidence, other than what he called... Uh, second, second degree double hearsay that somebody was involved with gang. Literally, there was, they're literally picking people up based on nothing more than a hunch. And this is the difference between, between police officers and immigration officers. Immigration officers, ICE agents that go out and arrest people, they can do it whenever they want to. They, they, they don't really are limited by the Constitution in a lot of different ways. Because immigrants, a lot of people believe, or uh, have a lesser standard of due process allotted to them. I don't think that's the case, but, uh, the, as you, mo- as you see this happen, as you see ICE become more and more aggressive with people, you have to become more concerned, uh, much more concerned, uh, with, uh, the efforts made against immigrants, particularly the most vulnerable immigrants that are out there. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, as a result of that, a result of ICE being very, very aggressive and putting people in deportation proceedings, I we talked about this, so there's a funnel, David, and we're, they're throwing people into this funnel, but it is a funnel, and, and, and it all goes down to a certain hole that you have to squeeze people through one by one, and that hole is called the immigration courts, uh, and the immigration courts are now overflowing with cases, and um, a third of the nation's 275 immigration judges have been given temporary reassignments uh, to the border uh, uh, in regards to Trump's executive order. Now, so if you take 100 of the 326 immigration judges and put them at the border, what happens to the cases of those 100 judges in their areas? Is somebody going to work on those when they're gone? No. And they just keep loading much, much more on that. Um, the, uh, just uh, Judge Marks, who is the, uh, uh, Dana Lee, who is head of the National Association of Immigration Judges, said this. Um, the country's backlog of cases is growing. The Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse at Syracuse University found the number of pending immigration cases swelled to more than 610,000 last month. Uh, immigrants wait an average of 672 days, two years, for their cases to be resolved. That number is much higher here in Georgia, by the way. It's almost three to four years. Um, and uh, all that means is people complaining about their right to have a hearing. Some people actually get relief from judges. Um, people become adults. Key witnesses travel away. Families are forced to spend years apart. Uh, it's um, – Obama, by the way, asked for $3.7 billion to fix the backlog, and Congress said no. Congress said no. We're not going to give you any money. Uh, I'm curious to see whether Congress gives um, more money now to the problem if, if Trump asks for it, if he actually does. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at these numbers uh, is just stunning. Um, and looking at the effect of Trump and Trump's minions' policies on immigration, all I see, David, is chaos. That's the word that comes to mind. is just chaos within the immigration system. And it's not limited only to ICE. It's not limited to the immigration courts. But chaos is also happening at the Immigration Service, at the USCIS, where we're seeing... Um, growing uh, lines for adjudication of cases. What was taking three to four months under Obama for a green card through marriage now it takes eight to ten months. And it's not because they're in any way doing anything different. They just literally have slowed stuff down. Plus, because there's a hiring freeze that impacts USCIS, if you have a hiring freeze, people leave all the time from jobs. You have fewer people adjudicating more cases. And and the number of cases filed with the immigration service has skyrocketed, particularly naturalization cases when people are realizing, oh, my gosh, my failure to vote made this man president. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. So there's an increasing number of naturalizations cases being filed. Uh, and as a result, you've got a consistently growing backlog of immigration cases at the immigration service. And then you look at the Department of State which is, again, going through a restructuring because Tillerson wants to shrink it. And there's even these clowns that proposed giving visa issuance ability to the USCIS. Now, part of me says, great, that's awesome, because then we can sue them, which we can't do now on visa issuance, but it's a terrible idea in retrospect. USCIS can't even do the work they're currently assigned. Giving them visa issuance capability is a recipe for disaster, a recipe for disaster. That doesn't mean they won't do it, but it's just a recipe for disaster as we move forward in the immigration world. And then you look at the Department of Labor, which itself is, at least at this point, keeping its head above water on labor certifications. Those seem to be going in a rather smooth fashion, but getting prevailing wages, as many of my immigration lawyer colleagues know, taking four months. I mean, that's an insane process to wait for the government to look at the same database I can look at it and tell you the wage in, in 37 seconds. And they're going to take four months to do that. Um, it's, uh, it's remarkably frustrating, remarkably frustrating for people that are involved in the system to see the chaos created by the Trump administration in every aspect of the immigration world. Uh, and uh, these uh, this chaos serves a purpose. It serves a purpose, at least in the eyes of the anti-immigrants, because then they can say, "Well, look how ineffective the system is." Well, of course, if you create chaos in the system, it's going to be wildly ineffective. Uh, and if it's wildly ineffective, then you have a reason to shut it down. Uh, you know, there there is a plan in place here. There's a plan that anti-immigration is that no-nothings have, the restrictionists, to do away with legal immigration. They just had last week uh, Senator Cotton and Senator uh, uh, Perdue from Georgia introduce a bill to eliminate legal immigration to America. I mean, that that bill would gut the belly of American innovation for a generation if they ever let it to pass. I don't think it's ever going to pass, but just so just that I thought... That a, a man that, that, that represents my state, uh, a state teeming with immigrants, that, is, that has grown exponentially because of immigrants, wants to limit legal immigration. It is a fool's errand. Uh, and I hope it guarantees his defeat in 2020 when he's up for re-election. I know I'm certainly not voting for this clown. Uh, absolutely not. It's, uh, uh, it's, not a, it's not a viable... Message. It's not a viable program, uh, and if enacted, which I don't think it ever would be, but if enacted, it would speak volumes to the world about the kind of country America had become. Uh, and I just don't, I don't believe in that country that that, that these guys envision a country uh, that shuts itself off from the world. That, that's that's not the future. That's the past, and we don't live in the past. We're going to be living in the future, and we need to make sure that an economy a society climate uh income uh taxes all work for the future and stop worrying about the past uh and and really the the, the incessant focus on uh the destruction of the american economy by immigrants and losing flat out lies and spreading lies about that is just enormously frustrating enormously frustrating um uh, to uh, to people like me who understand how how it really could work, how we really could um, uh, make a difference with with a boost in legal immigration, with fixing our uh, our illegal immigration problem, uh, with strengthening interior enforcement in the proper way. Oh my gosh, we could we could just literally uh, explode. Uh, uh, with economic growth uh, And yet all we see under Trump Is a, is a shrinking uh, Shrinking economy uh, Downgraded uh, ratings Abroad and just Sadness and just chaos As it permeates our society uh, David it's getting bad enough For ICE agents to start Complaining In the New Yorker yesterday um, Jonathan Blitzer uh, Wrote an article that I think deserves A lot of scrutiny Uh, because it discusses his exchange of messages uh, with a veteran ICE agent. Uh, Blitzer talks about him, uh, that he was trying to get somebody to talk to him in the Trump ICE department. Uh, And finally, after the four months, this officer said, you know what, Uh, let's talk on the phone. Let's talk about what's really going on here. Um, And the agent in April texted the reporter a screenshot of a page from the minutes of a recent ICE meeting during which a superior had said that, quote, it was, quote, the most exciting time to be part of ICE, close quote, in the agency's history. The photo was sent without commentary. The agent just wanted someone on the outside to see it. The agent, who worked in federal immigration enforcement since the Clinton administration, has been unsettled by the new order of ICE. Here's a guy when Clinton, Bush, Obama, now Trump. So he's been in there for probably 25 years. Um... He said, quote, we're going to get sued, the agent told me. Quote, you have guys who are doing whatever they want in the field, going after whoever they want, close quote. At first, the agent spoke to me on the condition that I not publish anything about our conversation, but that has changed. Increasingly angry about the direction in which ICE is moving, the agent agreed last week to let me publish some of the details of our talks, as long as I didn't include identifying information. Quote, we used to look at things through the totality of the circumstances when it came to removal order. That's out the window. Quote, I don't know that there's the appreciation of the entire realm of what we're doing. It's just not the person we're removing. It's their entire family. People say, quote, well, they put themselves in this position because they came illegally. I totally understand that. But you have to remember that our job is not to judge. The problem is that now there are lots of people who feel free to feel contempt. And, I mean, I I have seen that firsthand. I I know lots of ICE officers who are good, decent human beings – uh, who really chafe at what their orders currently are uh, in, in regard to deporting people. I think, it, I think for some of them, it is heartbreaking. And yet I know others who revel in it, who think it's the most amazing thing in the world, that they get to deport anybody they want to. Um, Peace officer said, quote, It all adds up to contempt that I've never seen so rampant towards the aliens. Uh, this is a really good article I would encourage you to take a look at it uh, give it a review I, I think it will open a lot of eyes from the inside about what's really going on um, and it's um, it's gonna it's gonna get worse long before it gets better let's take a break here on the immigration hour on America's web radio
3: Charles Cook, el jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración. Conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404 816 A las 404 816 visitenos en el internet. www.immigration.net.
2: Whether well, cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy, or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in
1: to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Um, David, I, I ran across an interesting conundrum yesterday. Um, actually started on Friday. I got a call from uh, a foreign student advisor here at uh, one of the schools uh, that said that their student could not get a driver's license. I so said, "Really? Are they invalid?" Yeah, they, they came legally to the United States. They're in valid status. They they're going to school just fine. Everything about them's legal. But DDS will not give them, DDS is the Georgia Department of Driver Services, will not give them a driver's license. So I said, that's weird. So I went to the Georgia DDS website, and I pulled up their criteria for giving driver's licenses. And one of the things in the list, uh, there's a lot of things in the list. And one of them is uh, that you are required to have a valid foreign passport. I get that. Uh, although that's a problem for some people, like Venezuela, where you if you are here legally and you, keep, you can't get a passport here, you have to go back home. Uh, and it requires that you have a valid I ninety four card, which is that's that's the proof of entry legally and that you are legally in the United States. And it also said, and it requires a valid a valid visa stamp, and that was the problem for these kids. David, we uh, when we give out visas to people from other countries, we our Department of State uses what's called a visa reciprocity schedule and what this means is we treat you England we treat you Iran we treat you India as we as you treat our people so for example for many years China if I was going to be if I was going to do a study abroad in China they would give me a visa but it would only have one entry I could enter one time okay so kids coming from China got a visa to be a student here had one entry and when you entered the country, you used it. And at that point, and the visa was only valid for like three months. So the visa, so the kid come in legally, and once you're in as a student, for example, what controls is not the visa, what controls is the entry, the what they call an I-94 entry. Um, and so these kids would come in, they're in school, and it didn't matter that their visa was expired because they're not here for the visa. So the DDS is saying... You have to have a valid passport, valid ninety four for and a valid visa. So they're saying, all these students, you can't get a driver's license in Georgia. Sorry. So I called the the attorney general's office and said, you know, uh, this seems to be improper. Uh, And the attorney general, uh, she was terrific. She said, you know, we took this language directly from the federal regulation. And so she gave me the federal regulation. It's 6 CFR uh, 31.0 dot 11 um, C6 and C6 says uh, that under real ID uh, we only give a license you only give a, a state ID or a license to somebody who has a valid foreign passport, a valid identity 4 card and a valid visa and you know what's weird David is I had never heard that before I'd never heard it. Now, they just, they just modified this process in Georgia in January. I thought, this is kind of weird. Uh, and so, we, you know, the hierarchy of laws in America are the Constitution, statutes, regulations, and then internal policies, right? So what controls ultimately the Constitution, of course there's nothing in the Constitution about IDs, right? But there is federal law on this issue, and it's, and it's called Real ID, uh, so I, I did the unheard of thing as a lawyer, and I went and I pulled up Real ID, uh, and Real ID says under section under section 202 of the Real ID, section C minimal minimum issuance standards under special requirements uh, for this is 2B evidence of lawful status. So you have to show lawful status. Here's what this says: the pertinent provision. The, the, that the person has a valid, unexpired, non-immigrant visa or non-immigrant visa status for entry into the United States. The regulation left out the or. So when the Department of Homeland Security in '08 issued this regulation, they left out the or non-immigrant visa status. So now the question becomes, David, uh, what are we going to do about this? The state of Georgia says they're going to follow the federal regulation. And when I say, well, but the regulation doesn't control. Federal law controls. And federal law says non-immigrant status or a visa, either one. They have valid status. is you four card, then you can, you'll be okay. So how do, how do we resolve this? Can you think of a way that a lawyer might resolve this, David? I think we're going to have to sue them. Again. Uh, once again, Georgia taking the most restrictive view, uh, illegally, clearly, because the regulation, when, it, when a regulation is more narrow than the plain language of the statute, that means the, the regulation is what we call ultra virus, it's outside of its authority. Uh, the, the, the regulation cannot limit what federal law specifically allows. And this is true in, in lots of different contexts. I mean, you can, you can pick your favorite regulatory rule and see how it compares to federal law. And I think what you would find that a lot of times, the regulations don't follow federal law. They're just made up. Uh, and so we're going to be looking for a plaintiff, somebody who's in a valid non-immigrant status, whose visa has expired so that we can sue the state of Georgia to fix this regulation, to fix their own policy on this. Um, Gosh, I love suing the state. There's nothing better than suing the state of Georgia um, on this issue. Uh, David, one last thing before we go. I uh, I wanted to talk about DACA a little bit. Uh, I was uh, having a call with my colleagues at the ACLU yesterday, and we're talking about the future of DACA and where it's going. And as you know, DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, it's for kids who were brought here before they were 15, who uh, who went to school or got a GED or are studying for a GED, uh, who are a good moral character, who can prove they've been here for the last 10 years. Now, since 2007, since DACA has been around for five years, um, and uh, It's been interesting to follow this because Trump, of course, had promised to end it. He did not. In fact, he said, no, I'm not going to end DACA. Uh, And the anti-immigration movement is apocalyptic about this. They can't believe that Trump would break his promise on this, uh, which to them is the most important issue. We must harm the kids as much as possible. Um, And uh, so uh, nine attorney generals and one governor have gotten together and sent a letter to Trump and to uh, Sessions and said, look... If you don't withdraw DACA, we're going to sue you. Okay, and my f- my friends in in the pr- in the they were concerned. Well, they're well, they might win. You know, they're gonna, DACA will be over. I said I don't think DACA is going to be over. One thing that we forget is that DACA has already withstood one challenge on standing, already withstood one challenge. on standing, in the Fifth Circuit, by the way, uh, where your buddy uh, Judge Smith is. Um, and second, DACA is different than DAPA because if you recall our show. Back in 2014, David, where I bitterly complained that Obama was not following the law when he created DAPA, that he had to f- publish it in the Federal Register following the Administrative Procedures Act. You m- remember, I was just shouting from the rooftops, Obama, you're going to lose unless you publish this in, in the Federal Register. And they stubbornly refused to do it. And they, they were going to lose. It was just it was only a matter of getting the right judges. They were going to lose. They lost that because they didn't follow the law but they did file the law for DACA. DACA was published in the Federal Register for purposes of its work work authorization. So if they sue, they cannot sue on the same theory that they sued on DAPA and won on DAPA, which was that there was no compliance with with federal law. Uh, So I'm curious to see uh, what they come up with, but I believe DACA is going to continue unless Trump physically ends it. Uh, and I don't believe DACA is going away anytime soon. I think Americans would generally be, be, be pretty ticked off at this point uh, if DACA was just taken away from these kids who are in the middle of college, who are working in jobs, who, have, who, who contribute billions of dollars in tax revenue every year to the, to the states and the United States from the jobs they're legally working. Uh, so I'm going to be curious to see how DACA shakes out here. But David, be tuned in the next several weeks because we will certainly – be talking a lot about DACA uh, and its impact. Um, An update on Jessica Kolodil's case is the government has asked for more time to follow their answer, and we have graciously agreed to give them three weeks more to follow an answer to our complaint. Um, We are waiting for a decision from from the federal court judge on the government's motion to limit the scope of his order. I don't think he's going to grant that because why would he? I mean, the order was clear. The government clearly fa- violated their own internal policies in denying Jessica's DACA <coughs> and revoking it. Uh, so I'm curious to see what's going to happen as part of this and as we go forward. Uh, I am, um, But I remain hopeful that DACA will continue and that ultimately, whether it's Trump or, or Pence or whether President Hillary Clinton is put in because Trump controls the election. I know, David, I know that you went, yes, David looked at me like, could that possibly happen? I hope that happens. Uh, you think how much business you would have, David, on your show if Hillary Clinton was president? Man, you would explode your audience if Hillary Clinton was president. It'd be good for business. Um, I'll just teach you, David. That's not going to happen. Um, but if President Ryan steps in, he is third in line, right? He steps in uh, to this whole, whole fiasco. Uh, but I think what will happen is Trump will, will weather the storm, and uh, he will run for re-election in 2020,
3: and then we'll see what
1: failure the Democrats put up to possibly go against him. David, has been a good show this week. We'll be back in two weeks, and next week I will be in Peru. I will not be simulcasting. Sorry, David, for Machu Picchu. I will be at Machu Picchu next Tuesday. Um, Maybe I'll call into the show and say, I'm in Machu Picchu. You can record me, and we go from there. Bad idea, David. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Until next week, this is your host, Chuck Cook, on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.